Welcome back again, Seahawks fans, to the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo. Joined, as always, with the guile to my Sagat. That is Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Feels like winning, sir. All right, yeah. If you're guile, you know, you're, you're probably feeling like winning. Well, my theme uh, song goes with everything, so I'm, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. And the M. Bison to our guile and Sagat. That's Eric Ronnebeck. Yes, Eric, how you doing? I'm great, as long as I'm not the Raul Julia M. Bison. Oh. What's wrong with the Raul? That was his last role, man. Come on. Yeah, so if... That's still... A th- he was terrible. And hey, I know you went Street Fighter because you saw the Marshawn Lynch video where he was the guy doing martial arts. Are you guys know what I'm talking yes. about? Yes. yes and the, and he's Those like, Marshawn Lynch videos, by, by the way, are so fun. But he's like, oh, dang, he just did the Sonic Boom kick from Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing of the week. Uh, all My right. favorite thing is every time Marshawn Lynch does a thing. It's true. So we watch the team, the Seattle Seahawks. They are the official team of seasonal anxiety disorder. So seasonal affective disorder, sorry. So... Um, since they've all made us depressed for the season, uh, let's go ahead and dig into that depression with uh, with a review of the game against the Atlanta Falcons. You know, Nate, I woke up feeling sick to my stomach this morning. I thought it was something <laughs> I ate, and then I realized it was because I watched the second half of the game. Hey, did you know that um, Matt Ryan had nine dropbacks under pressure last game, and he was had a 152.1 passer rating on those throws? Yeah, that's, uh, that's what happens when we're missing our top... Probably three corners. And yeah. we still pressured him, too, which is even more frustrating. Yeah, Matt Ryan was, was excellent in this game, and uh, it was because all his wide receivers got to jump 50-50 balls and win over and over. It was really frustrating. Yep. Um, so, okay, let's start Let's start at the beginning of the game. Okay, so that we... That's uh, like a logical place. We have first, first drive of the game. Uh, Shaq Griffin gets hurt. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a pretty rough loss for the Seahawks as the cornerbacks continue to play just horribly throughout the first half. Well, don't forget it was a rough loss because it's Monday Night Football, so the team's under the microscope, and they, uh, they being ESPN, spends the entire day in Seattle, last couple days, and you know you can see stories, you can see a lot of cool stuff. And leading up to the game, you see you know Richard Sherman in the boot and the little scooter, and he's like, you know, talking to Shaq Griffin. Ah, you know, Mike, uh, he's going to be in a young Shaq Griffin zero all game. It's going to be a, a little passing of the torch. And then that happened. It was just awful. Well, and then so we had Jeremy Lane. Couldn't we just was scam- the physical matchup? Couldn't we just not one. Couldn't we just scam it like we did with Russell and just throw him back out there on the field? Come on, man. Player safety is a joke anyway. Let's let's. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> that CTE, Mike. Oh, all right. So. Uh, let's let's uh, so the first drive is is horrible. They uh, they score a touchdown. We can't stop a nosebleed. The second drive is is almost as bad. Although I mean, you got to admit, like the third, they they did a good job kind of stuffing them in the red zone, and then Muhammad Sanu makes like an an unreal catch at the end of the to end the drive. Muhammad Sanu was just abusing our defense, and especially Jeremy Lane. Jeremy Lane was. Consistently committing penalties against Sanu, and Sanu was like, oh, "I'll just make the play anyway." And so, Screw you. you know, the thing is, is Eric. Eric earlier said, like, you know, Sanu was really good in this game, and I thought in my head, like, man, but his I have my fantasy team, so I was like, his stats weren't that good. But then I looked into the the advanced metrics, and did you? He drew two huge pass interference calls that combined for a forty-one yards, and yes, I think you're did. right, Eric. Yeah. Those forty-one yards, if you just add them into his line, it's an enormous performance by Muhammad Sanu. Just uh, going along with the point to watch him blocking downfield. It's not like he helped the run game, but I feel like he enforced his will on our secondary, which is something I've never heard anyone say in the Pete Carroll era. And 
uh, no surprise, like every defensive lineman on their team pulled like an 80 grade from yep. Pro Football Focus, which is Grady Jerry must have pulled a hundred because no. he was. All he actually over had he actually had like a uh, lower grade than a lot of the other guys. Poe was the highest rated uh, offense defensive lineman. Upshaw had a good rating. Shelby had a good. They had a, like I said, everyone had something over eighty though. So it's like pick your poison. Everyone did pretty good. Uh, Dontari Poe though was was awesome in this game. Um, he was really abusing Britt. And I thought this was one of Britt's worst games of the whole season. I agree. Uh, not just Britt's worst game. Uh, Fetty had a horrible game, but let's let's keep going in with but the. But Fetty uh, always has horrible games. Let's keep go, let's go back. Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, let's go through it the way that the game developed. Okay, so the Seahawks gave up fourteen pretty quick points, and I think at this point, basically everyone hits the panic button, right? You saw it on social media. People were freaking out. Yeah, that was just Brett. And and Russell said, <laughs> "Calm down, relax." Okay, he comes down, they score a touchdown, and it looks like things are going to get better. And then our dumpster fire offensive line gives up uh, back-to-back like horrible plays, including one which is a fumble for a touchdown. Yep. And I, yeah, that was Fetty got flat beat by Tack McKinley on the strip sack. That was, uh, and it wasn't like a Tack super McKinley. deep drop. Oh, and also this this interception by Wilson too. Just oh man, that, that was what led to the the fourteen points. I forgot we should have talked about this. That was like one of the worst throws I've seen Russell make in quite some time. And I, I don't know who he was throwing. I don't to know. There. We've been talking about how his mechanics might be a little janked up. I feel like he he's looking better though. He seems to be getting stronger the ten days off and the bye week. And I think he's cleaned up a little of that stuff that's been bothering me. But the that throw, I mean, that's that, just a massively inex- errant throw, inexcusable. It's just such a terrible throw. Well, and as as we're seeing this season, Russ has been getting better on the year, but he's still like, like the rest of the Seahawks, taking a while to warm up. You know, which is not something I want to see. I want you ready to play in the first quarter. And he's throwing interceptions. He, or I should say, he's throwing behind his receivers more often early. And it, we're getting to the point, which you know we'll talk about this uh, as you as the game progresses, but where we come in at the end and, and we're we're coming to this exciting finish. And I want a little more exciting in the first quarter, in the first half. You know, it's like you talk about, uh, you know, when the pass rush doesn't quite get there, you're left vulnerable. You know, we've been talking about how we're a second half team for how long? Well, when a second half right. team doesn't quite get there, you can't unbury yourself from the hole that you made. That's and that's what happens. So wise, Kevin. All right. So uh, then. The Seahawks start to come back though. Like we play really good the rest of the first half. We get a bunch. We get some nice stops. I think uh, the deep interior defensive line really stepped up. Richardson had a great game in this game. Uh, Lockett was making a big impact in the return game, setting us up with good field position. And then we get to the end of the first half. We uh, we do what we we do what we should do, which is we pull a Patriots. This is what the Patriots do. This is their specialty. Okay, you shorten the game. What do you do? You go down the field. You score a field goal or a touchdown at the end of the half. And then you come out at the beginning of the next half and you score a touchdown. And that sets you up right there, right? It's a big 10-point swing. You just controlled the ball for a super long time. You basically took like five minutes just out of the game, right? That's what that's what this team does. And this, that's what the Seahawks are trying to emulate. And uh, what do we do? Well, we run one of the most – it's the worst – it's the worst fake field goal since the left-footed Justin Tucker one. And I would argue it might actually be worse than that one. Um, this is a horrible. The setup is not worse, but the execution. Um, so the the play looks. You watch it on tape, you know. And so the plan is they got to score a touchdown on this play. 
There's no there's no plan B. There's no like, oh, he doesn't quite make it and we call a timeout. They do have a timeout, but there's not enough time on it's the seven clock. Seven seconds. There's not enough time on the clock. The, all the time's gonna tick off the clock if they actually get two yards downfield to get the first down. So the plan is basically we're gonna score a touchdown on this play. And Pete Carroll's excuse is the is the worst excuse. Oh well, it would have seemed like a really good play call if we made it. Yeah, no shit, dude. Like yeah, every play call is a good play call if you make it. That's the point, though, is that you're supposed to give yourself, your team, high leverage chances to win. There's no chance in hell Bill Belichick leaves the points on the board like that, okay, or takes the points off the board like that. He kicks the field goal, he goes into half, down four, and then he comes back out and he takes the lead. There's just an inexcusable sequence of plays from Carroll. And the fact of the matter is, he's not holding his coaches accountable for all of this bad coaching that's going on, and the, pro- the, the problem comes from him down. If he's not going to hold these coaches accountable, then all of a sudden, all these penalties, it's very difficult to hold the players very accountable for these penalties. And then it's just it spirals out of control. Well, Eddie Lacy has one job. His one job is to come in and get like one or two tough yards on third down. And he got stuffed. Our offensive line, the whole game was not getting pushed. He got stuffed. We had the um, out throw to... Uh, Richardson, um, where he got his feet down to make it uh, fourth and one. And because we hadn't picked up anything before that, uh, we were relying on that pass to get the first down to maybe take a shot with seven seconds left towards the end zone and then kick a field goal if we don't make it on the shot. Instead, we have our punter shovel pass it to our backup tight end on a sweep. Yeah, and like, and actually, like, if you look at the design of the play, the setup's actually not that bad. Like, they did a good job sealing off the edge. It was obviously something they practiced. Um, it's just not except a, for one thing. The, situa- the situation is really bad for it because what yard line were we on? It, twenty-two. Twenty-two. Yeah. Okay, so you're expecting Luke Wilson to get a twenty-two yard rush. With everyone crowding the line of scrimmage. And there's no safety net if he doesn't get all the way to the end zone. This is the biggest problem I have with the play call. Is that you have this timeout that you saved for some reason. And you're just basically saying like, nah, dog, we're just going to go ahead and and do this really. I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. So we've we've analyzed that one to death. That was a terrible play call. Uh, Three points were lost there. You also have to figure on one field goal we lost points because Jimmy Graham couldn't come up with a good catch. Can I say one more thing, too? Is that this this uh, this play, too, it irritates me because people will say, like, oh, well, it's not even that bad a play call. What about during the Super Bowl? What I understand what they were trying to do in the Super Bowl play. They were trying to run a simple pick slant in the front of the end zone like a million other teams do. Like, that's a common NFL play. There's a reason you don't see NFL teams run this play. That they ran in this fake kick because it's dumb. It's this is dumb closer to call. when Indy had their uh, wide receiver line up to take a snap from the long snapper on like a, <laughs> on that weird swinging gate. Yeah. Like this is more like that. Where I agree, Nathan. You're just sitting there going, "Why? What did they think was going to happen? Yeah. What was here? the what was the expected result here? As I would say to the uh, eight and nine year olds in my classroom, when you did that, what good thing did you think was going to happen? Because yeah. the answer is always none. All right. So anyway, I just had to rant, and I and it, and it puts me in the situation where like I feel like I'm just kind of I'm very frustrated with the overall direction of the coaching of the team. I think John Schneider's done a fantastic job assembling a roster. I think Pete Carroll's built a really good culture, but the time and time again, it seems like the offensive play calling, the special teams play calling, just kind of lets us down, right? 
And and I I don't know how I I don't really know what to, to do with that information. It's just it's very frustrating. Um, so anyway, we get to the second half. Um, we play more football. <laughs> uh, we play a lot more football. In fact, we play to the point where the Seahawks um, at the end of the third quarter after uh, Russell Wilson completes that two point conversion, we're like we're in good shape. Like it's it seems like we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna do it. Like we we get the stop. We we go, we get the ball. Or sorry, we get the stop, we get the ball back, we're going to drive down the field. It seems like exactly like the end of that Houston game, right? 100%. It just starts to feel like, okay, we got this. Like, this is the situation that we wanted to be in. Uh, Walsh has already made a couple, de- like, 46-yard, 37-yard field goal. He's he's warmed up. He's feeling good. We just got to get in range. We just got to get in range. The Seahawks, um, they drive down the field. They waste a ton of time. There's so much lost time on the clock because of coaching decisions. That horrible challenge call. Which is just such a waste. Obvious yep. drop ball by Baldwin. It's just yes. like it's why why did he challenge that? What do you what do you think's going through his head there? Pete hasn't had a bad challenge in a while, and I don't want to give him a pass on this, but this is like the old Pete. This old Pete challenge. It's like when Andy Reid screws up he the want, clock. He yeah. wants to like he wants to make his players feel good or something. I don't know what it is, but it there's I, every team has a you know, someone to say, challenge this. And in those situations I wonder if the Seahawks have that that personnel and that's a real real wonder uh you know there's a second thing they we've they, there's been a big deal made of it the offense comes out with you know they, they got two in the barrel they're gonna run a play and then instead of spiking the ball they run another play but then you look and what was the other play the other play was trash a pass across the middle for six yards it was not good that was the other play Throwing the ball away would have been a better play. Saving Spiking the it. saving the fifteen seconds, yeah. and it didn't open up in the first three seconds. Airmail it out of bounds. This whole like we don't spike thing is is not working for me. Like it 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 wastes a ton of time. There's a reason every team spikes, and it's it's frustrating because yeah we burn all this time off the clock. Then we run this play to Jimmy in the middle. He throw he hits Jimmy in the middle for like eight yards, and then we off to run up to the line and spike it anyway. I'd rather just not have had the eight yards. Give me the 20 seconds and spike it in the first place. Well, and that play style makes sense when everyone doesn't know it's coming. When they're expecting the spike and then all of a sudden they have to get on the ball. But it's it's all over the scouting report. It's known. They know that's what you're going to do. Not only, it is no longer an element of surprise. Not only, Kevin, is it on the scouting report, but Dan Quinn, ex-Seahawks defensive coordinator, he knows this team. He knows Pete Carroll very well. And I'm not going to say that Pete gets outcoached. I don't really know if you can outcoach someone. Uh I feel like this was not the game to do any of these things. This is the time for surprises. We didn't do any of that. Uh, we we completely gave up on the run again. Uh, yeah. JD 16, McKissick ran six, seven times, which is about yeah. two more too many than I want. 16 total running back runs. This is yep. not enough. There was just no commitment to the run game. And I'd rather be sitting where uh, Atlanta is. Right. Where we ran our... Uh, we where we ran twenty times with a two yards per carry. They ran. I'm they, fine with that. Twenty six running back runs for seventy four yards. Not a great performance by any measure, but they stuck with it and kept. They forced the Seahawks to be honest. And yeah, okay, so they they only win because of a bunch of like weird fluky garbage. Like I'll admit, like this game was a very winnable Seahawks game that that we just kind of coughed up, right? Yeah, like we all can kind of agree on that. Like, there's, we just kind of coughed up this win. Well, and I'd like to bring up another thing we talked about before the podcast, which is Russell Wilson. Yeah, he ran it seven times for 86 yards. How many of those were on? Does uh, were on a quarterback keeps on a zone read? 
Zero. 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 We even made a... Yeah, no one even... Uh, the, the the few zone replays we ran in this game, like, the, the defensive end doesn't even keep honest anymore. Like, he just dives into the running back. It, it's, like, embarrassing how, how much the scouting report is out there on this. It frustrates yeah. me. We finally used uh, some zone plays, or, I mean, some uh, screen plays to help against the pass rush. They were a few of our best passes of the day. Duh. I mean, it doesn't exactly take a... You know, a well-informed fan knew that we needed to do that. So the fact that it took this long for the offense to incorporate it is a bad sign. Well, let's be honest. I mean, Russell Wilson played a pretty good game in this game. Uh, he attempted way too many passes, 27 for 42, which is just a ton of pass attempts for Wilson. But he, he did his he, – he played good. Don't get me wrong. The bad interception was bad. It's what stops this game from being like a perfect game for him. But and he took a lot of yardage on his sacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Russ is still taking bad sacks. He's holding on the ball too long. We talked about the offensive line allowing. What was the stat we had earlier about not not a? Oh, they had a clean pocket on thirty-two attempts, but that still means one fourth of the time he was getting pressured. Right, yeah, and he was not very good. he was very good with the clean pocket. Twenty-two for thirty thirty-two with two hundred twenty-three yards and two touchdowns. Like he he was excellent with the clean pocket. If the offensive line can improve even a little bit. Well, I think the offensive line really needs to improve. I'd, I'd I'd appreciate it more in the run game because if we can get a decent run game, and granted, we also need a running back. I don't think we have a running back on this team. Uh, that will open up this playbook. Will open up Russell Wilson more. But I feel like Russell's. I don't know if it's his decision or if it's Pete Carroll with the zone read that bothers me. The fact that he holds onto the ball too much, too long, bothers me. His scrambling, when you scramble back 18 yards from the line of scrimmage and you make an amazing play for eight yards, that only gets me so excited. You know, it's it's still it still set us up for fourth and one late but in the game. Part of it is when you're doing a seven-step drop, Yes, you have Dwayne Brown who's not well-conditioned. He sat out. He looks sluggish. You have Jermaine Effetti who sucks yeah. at setting an edge. He cannot get outside with a speed rusher, which is why Tack McKinley beat him multiple times on the day. When Jermaine Effetti blocks well, I'm like, what was the defensive end thinking? And that's not a joke. <laughs> it's not a joke. I really think that. I'm like, wow, what is, how did you not get around him? Well, the thing is, if he's doing more three-step, maybe a five-step drop instead of these big, big drops, then what you see Effetti do is he puts that extra shove on the defensive end which at least buys a second and opens up a running lane for Russ. If you look at a lot of Russ's takeoff and runs where they were a little early, it was because Afedi blocked the te- the defensive end behind him. The defense lost contain, and there was a running lane for Russell Wilson to make some yardage. But when he's doing a seven-step drop, and then you have a game like this game where Justin Britt probably had his worst game of the season— Dwayne Brown was actually okay. I like Dwayne Brown. I thought he had a good game. He was okay, but uh, he still everyone was having el- trouble getting to the outside. Everyone else, he looks out of shape. Every yeah, he doesn't. He looks, he looks like he, he looks like our best lineman, and he looks about eighty yeah, percent. I mean, he, I wish he was conditioned better, but at the same time, it's he's he's still hopefully going to be our left tackle of the future, and yes. I'm, you know, for the next few years, and that makes me happy. Makes me makes my outlook good for the team on the left side. I think it was the right move. All right, so um, look, can we talk about some good stuff, some things we liked from this game? Sure. Other than Russ, Russ was great. Jimmy Graham, 
another solid performance by Jimmy. Uh, seven for 11, uh, 58 yards, a touchdown. He had that one drop and in the end zone, and I know people are going to be salty about it, but it was a really weird busted play. He was, like, falling over. It would have been a spectacular catch if he would have made it. Um, Sheldon Richardson had a good game. Hit him in the effing hands, but, you know. Um, he, oh, Jimmy Graham caught the two-point conversion, too. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Jim, I like. I think that was a nice play on the. This team has finally figured out how Jimmy Graham fits into this offense. Yep. Uh, I feel like he's he's just getting better and better every week. Uh, if we do make it to the playoffs, he's going to be a real weapon. Uh, uh, Seldon Richardson, I agree, Kevin. He was great. Uh, five five run stops, and he had a big some big time ones in the backfield. Uh, Got her sack. Phantom hold was like really the only bad thing that happened to him that in the game. Bullshit. That, they called a hold on him, and I was like, I watched the play like ten times. I was like, where did he hold? And I was like, oh, it's when this other guy holds Sheldon. That's what they called the hold on. Okay, <laughs> like that's, that's yep. the only response you can have. Uh, Bobby right. Wagner was the best middle linebacker in football again. He yep. just does that every week. That's a thing he does. Yep. Uh, he uh, he actually allowed four catches on the five times he was targeted in coverage, but only allowed 11 yards, which is pretty sweet. Uh, he has yep. the three run stops. It's a pretty good game. Uh, McDougal was good. I thought McDougal played pretty decent. Uh, he He's not Cam. He had a missed tackle that was uh, very frustrating. That was like, when I'm thinking in my head the whole time it's happening, like, Cam would have cleaned that play up. <laughs> but but uh, but he but he's good, and he... He's doing what we brought him in to do, right? Like, he was brought in to be like the, hey, our sa- all our safeties got hurt insurance policy. And yeah. he, he's that. He's he's a above average to good NFL safety. He played fine. I think it was more noticeable because once Shaq Griffin went out, our defensive backs got out physical And I, we're not used to seeing that. Especially the yeah. corners, man. The corners were just getting worked. Like Coleman if- shouldn't be playing on the outside. Maxwell looked not all there and lane like that, could not physically match up that in the, julio jones in that first rope catch yeah as like i say in the first half they had that that julio jones physical 50 is a 50 50 ball mcdougall was coming over the top but he was kind of late to it it really it's it's lane's job to shove this play out of bounds and he wasn't strong enough to do it instead he jumps up and tries to make a play on the ball and he's not gonna high point it over julio jones yeah and it's like he's shorter than him and he can't jump as high as sherman would have just destroyed that guy like it would just he would just been like no you're just you're out of bounds you're five yards out of bounds yeah instead you just shove his hips as soon as his hands make contact with the ball and it's legal you just go dive into his hips and make sure at least one foot lands out of bounds that's the play to make and and uh, he didn't do it it was it was just not a heads up play by lane yeah, that that was very frustrating. Um, but we're talking about good things now. So wait, we, we, should, we shouldn't have done that. Uh, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Uh, I uh, actually thought okay, let, let's. I thought Blair Walsh he did a good job on that pooch kick. That pooch kick was decent. He went uh, three of four on actual field goals, and he should have been four or five. That last field goal of the game. I mean, I think that, that that's like a. That was a bad it's, short. It's two. It's two. It's two feet short. Like it's just. It, it is what it is. He he nailed the the, the direction. Uh, there's really nothing you could do. Lockett about it. looked shifty all day. Lockett was really good. Uh, he had that. He had that kind of wiggle and shake. He could uh, get rid of the first man every time. It took a team picking the correct lanes to take him down. Our that br- was good. What about our bright spot at, at uh, running back? For Mr. Davis. three quarters of a game, he's hurt now. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it's like it's over. The dream died. It was it was the shortest dream. The miracle never happened. Yeah, it's uh, uh we we did uh, one thing we'll do. We did good at the run game in the way you like to call it, Nathan. The short passing game to running backs. Yeah, we had some nice screens that uh, really worked out in our favor. Uh, Paul Richardson was a really strong possession receiver in this game. He played the role that we needed him to. Uh, they were really focused on Bobby, uh, or excuse me, uh, on Doug Baldwin. 
And so because they were focused on Doug, uh, Paul kind of stepped up and played Doug's role. Made a lot of catches at the sticks, made sure that drives stayed alive. He was a very reliable Gra- receiver. Graham was doing that too. Like, Graham was doing that for Graham sure. Was, Graham was available at the sticks. Like that, Almost all of his plays went for first downs. I think uh, Graham got... Uh, two for that I matter. think, was it five for seven? Five of his seven catches were for first downs, Kevin. That's I, good. I just, and Graham did a good job of being uh, misplaced in the game, I would say, meaning that the defense lost track of him. All right. Uh, gentlemen, but, can we be done with this game? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's be done with this game. All right. Uh, let's move on to next week where we play the San Francisco 49ers. So I, I had a mission for myself this week. I was like, I don't want to just write the 49ers off. They're really bad. I'm going to find the one thing they do good. Okay, Kevin? So what do you think the one thing I came up with the 49ers are really, really good at? Like, they are, I think, the best team in the league at this. And you can't say firing coaches, Kevin. You can't say it. I'm going to say stopping runs to the left. That is incorrect, sir. They are really, really good. I love wait. Can we applaud Kevin's guess? By the way, so it's a good one. Such a niche guess. It was really nice. It's gonna have to be something really specific. They are stopping really, third down. They passes. are really good at punting. Okay, that's dumber. They <laughs> well, practice makes perfect. Now we talking they, about they uh, lead the league in average return yards by punts punters by over two yards. They have only two and a half yards per punt get What's returned. Their touchback number with San Francisco. He has put. 23 punts inside the 20. That is second in the league. Okay, who's their punter? It is Bradley Pinion. Dude. Wow. He's good. Be Bradley Pinion. Yeah. Rack and Pinion. Bradley Pinion, man. Okay, that's that's it. That's all I got. That's what the 49ers have a good punter. I, I, here's the thing. <laughs> and, and decent practice. coverage. Decent coverage. I too. really hope it's like Pinion. No, looking at, looking at this guy, it's obviously 43.4%. 43.4%. He looks kind of like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. He does. He's six foot five, by the this way. Is, this Did, is a Shaggy has stayed off Scooby Snacks. Stoner. I'm really happy about this. 43.4% yeah. of his punts go inside the 20. Um, I mean, he's just... And we have American Ninja Warrior oh, John Ryan, but if we didn't, I would want uh, King, the punter for Oakland. And one but thing- if we didn't have those two guys, <laughs> I would want Bradley Pinion. And Kevin, you asked, you said, well, a lot of his touchback, a lot of his... Punts must go for I touchbacks. asked how many are touchbacks, yes. But one. You said, I about to say, you said all those ones inside the 20, so that, that, one. that answered it. One touchback. That is awesome. This guy rules. Okay, so you know what? So, so we know who their Pro Bowl representative is going to be? San Francisco, Bradley Pinion, I respect you. The rest of the team, I have no respect for. <laughs> uh, San Francisco is... Uh, I'm going to give you some DVOA stats, Kevin, because I know you love... Love you some DVOA. Let's hear this. Let's 27th in defense, 30th against the pass, 23rd against the run. San Francisco on offense. They're 29th passing... Uh, they are 15th running. They just don't do... They, there's nothing they do good except punt. That's it. And you know what? When you can't do anything else, being good at punting is going to control field position and limit the damage, which is why San Francisco has been in a bunch of games this year, because they have excellent special teams coverage on these punts, which makes it so that they don't totally get killed in every game. In the early 90s when the Seahawks won you know, four games a year and that one game we won two games... Uh, our defense, you know, we had a really good pass rush. But had Tez. Ed, yes, we had Tez and Sam Adams. Yep. And uh, Eugene Robinson and safety. But a lot of people would say, but man, our special teams are so good. I remember that we as a kid. Jeff Fiegels I'm, and, and, uh, and uh, Matt Turk. Rick Tootin. Rick Tootin. Just uh, recently passed. God rest his soul, Rick Tootin. But that's what I'm saying is when you're a bad team, you tend to really do – you do those One thing right. well, and that's special okay. teams. And 
And let's let's be honest Perhaps too. The specialist of all teams. They <laughs> they are le- le- legitimately considering starting C.J. Beathard over seeing what they got in Jimmy Garoppolo. You did not trade a second round draft pick to not actually play Jimmy Garoppolo. That Maybe is just, they're thinking that, that is it, beyond my wildest comprehension. Well, because they have to re-sign him. Maybe they're just trying to stash him and hope no one notices. Him. Are you kidding me? That's not going to work. It it's didn't work for Brock Osweiler. It's really dumb. The best case, the, the okay, the worst case scenario for them was they try out Garoppolo. Garoppolo's not that good. They decide they don't want him. They get a third-round compensatory, not in this draft, but in the following draft, right? So they have to wait a whole year for a third-rounder. Okay, so they lose one round worth of draft. And actually probably more because they're going to have a good – they're traded a good second-rounder for a end of the third-rounder, right? It's really funny when so New England re-signs him. So basically they re-trade re, down two rounds. If they're not even going to play him because Beathard did good against the fucking dumpster fire Giants, like – they should fire Kyle Shanahan tomorrow. I don't care how good of an offensive coach he is. Like, fire him tomorrow because you didn't bring this guy in. When you're one in fucking nine, like, you got to play this guy. You got to see what he has. It is unbelievable to me that they're even considering starting C.J. Beathard. I am so angry. So, there you go. That's my that's my rant wow. about the 49ers. That's, that's... It's such a bad play, play though. Like It's you, really stupid. It's a t- complete you, waste of You resources. traded down two rounds to see what this guy's got and to have the option of franchising him and then you're going to do that like holy shit like it is unbelievable to me so yeah all right that's that's where i'm at on the 49ers they're dumpster fire and i think they're going to lose this game by like 40 points give me the seahawks 42 to 3 wow kevin uh i think that the seahawks are going to struggle on offense the running game is going to be mediocre again it's going to be a really stupid game i'm gonna take the seahawks like 22 to 9 Seahawks are going to do this thing where they they lose a game that they still should have won at home in the you know this game against Falcons kind of like we did against Washington and then the next week like oh you know they're going to put it together that's what we do I really love your twenty two to nine I'm going to up that Kevin and I'm going to give you twenty eight to six all right uh, Jokel's questionable uh, Abushi's out just so you know and, and can't Chancellor we need Chancellor, to, we need Chancellor, back. Chancellor's out also because Glowinski in is not good for us yeah Glowinski wow um, okay yeah we don't want to get into that I'm I, off the I'm, Glowinski wagon thank, thank you for joining us in, back in uh, non-crazy town Kevin I, I, you know what I was hopeful about Fant you were hopeful about Glowinski we both were wrong okay. here's the thing <laughs> uh, Fant didn't play. I've been <laughs> off the Glowinski wagon for a long time I just feel that I can't say it too many times at this point like, I just need to keep clarifying. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Well, you know what? Once Fant actually plays again and I'm, I'm not, and he's still terrible, I'll be like, okay, yeah, I'm off, I'm off this one, too. I got, I'll got. i have to bring it up. But will hey, he man. be worse than a Fetty? I want nope. Fant at right tackle next year. I kind of do, too, actually. Yes. I'm kind of super into I, no, it. No, I'm, I'm not kind of. I want a Fetty off the team. I can't take it. All right. So that uh, that does it with our uh, review of the last game and our, our move into the Seahawks. Uh, if you want to support our podcast, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash SeahawksNest. We got a new Patreon this week. And uh, Kevin, do you remember the name? No, because I still couldn't check our email. Okay, guess what? I'm going to... we. So that's the thing. Patreon users know this. We had trouble with our uh, Patreon email. We have like a spe- specific email we use just for the Patreon. And uh, the stupid uh, email server stopped working and we just didn't notice because we like barely ever ca- check it. So our no, new, I checked it daily. We just never got any. Our emails. new Patreon is Frank. Frank, thank you for joining the team. <laughs> thank you, Frank. Uh, Frank the Tank. Yeah, so we're gonna send you. Uh, we're gonna send you uh, something something cool. And uh, yeah, and also you get access to our exclusive uh, picks podcast where we pick the games. Uh, I've been on fire this season. Kevin's been doing very well, and Eric, well, he's a guy. So um, hey, I was great the last two years, and I true. took this year off. Why to make you guys feel better? 
I picked the Giants. Didn't you finish third last year, too? No, no. won last year. I thought last year he was up and then fell down the stretch. Eric won, and I I fell down the stretch to come back to Earth and only beat you by three games. I think you mean come back to Earth. Earth. I I was horrible last year because I kept trying to do stuff to catch up. You're go big or go home. You're doing what I'm doing doing now. I'm doing what Kevin did. The NFL picks Johnny Tsunami. Nathan Santo, but uh, but I'm doing really good this week. Like I looked at ESPN, what their all guys were doing, and I'm like actually ahead of all of them. So yeah, and Kevin would be like right in the mix with all of them. So we're doing really good this year, this week on our, or this year on our picks. Yeah, we the prognosticators. Yeah. All right. So just join up. Uh, it's a dollar twenty four a month. Uh, you get, you get access some holiday to podcast too. Um, oh yeah, yeah it's we, a good time of year to do this. We really do a Thanksgiving breakdown that we've totally forgot to do and now have to record after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah oh i had a plan for that by the way so if you want to hear us do a thanksgiving sides bracket head over to patreon.com slash seahawks nest we uh, are we are the audio pie to your thanksgiving dinner all right so speaking of thanksgiving like uh i wanted to i wanted to to go into our thanksgiving movie breakdown Ear uh, of course our movie club this week had to be about uh thanksgiving uh, so Eric, there's only one Thanksgiving movie though. I was gonna say we did this last year. What, we what do you do got? Train planes and automobiles again. All right, you're, you're gonna pose a question to me. What do you got? What do I got? What about Thanksgiving 2009? <laughs> 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 oh, the tagline man. for Thanksgiving is "Gobble Gobble Motherfucker," which is a great tagline. Uh, Go ahead and push it in all the way into the middle. I don't. I don't. Those are chips on there, the table. There really are no other Thanksgiving movies. Yes. Yeah, we we do this every year. What, what, there's a movie called Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's probably not about Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't not, like that poster. It looks out. too independent. Kevin, what is it? What are you thinking? I, I'm I'm not, I'm out. I'm, I'm out. What do you What do you got? You have an idea, obviously. I do. Is there a oh, Medea you know, Thanksgiving you know, movie? Is there a Medea does Thanksgiving movie? Actually, I have no idea. So okay, that was a joke. There is no yes. such thing as a Thanksgiving movie. Obviously, there's just plane trains and automobiles, which um, is a good movie. So instead, we're gonna get uh. We're going to do something We're gonna move about a, family. a little different. <laughs> nope. This is what I wanted to do. Actually, this is my actual plan. Coco comes out this weekend. And uh, I thought it'd be fun if we each said our favorite, and break, broke down a little bit, our favorite Pixar film. Uh, Coco comes out this week. It's a movie about a kid whose family is cursed. And they, they think the curse is because they played music. But he can't resist playing music. So he teams up with Day of the Dead themed characters and uh, learns to be a better person. I don't know. It's a Pixar movie. Uh, so... Eric, I'll start with you. Hmm. Eric, yes, you have the films of Pixar. Would you like me to read them, or do you? Do you? Oh, no, uh, do I, I got them. I, the only thing I'm afraid I'm going to like leave out my real favorite. No, I'm, give me your real favorite. Just I don't. I don't really know. Heart. I got to think. Like, I can give you three that I can probably choose between. All right, do you want a second to to ruminate while I tell you mine? Yes. All right, my favorite is Ratatouille. We all know, all, everyone in this room, we all know that. It's a very yeah. good movie, too. I like Ratatouille quite a bit. Underrated. Um, I think it's probably be just because of, like, the the message. Like, uh, anyone can do it, you know? Like, the, the like, I part of the reason I... Be, I'm a teacher, the full disclosure. Uh, the guy who swears the most on the podcast. Uh, Evan also, Kevin's also a teacher, but I'm, 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 I'm more set. I also honest. swear a lot. <laughs> but, uh... This is, the, these are connected. Ratatouille is my favorite because it's just... The, the central, the heart of the movie is that, like... Everyone can cook, right? That's like the, the tagline. Anyone can cook. And it's like anyone can do this. Anyone, even like a, a rat, can do this this thing that maybe you never would have thought a rat could do. And it's like a good message for kids, right? Like the if you work hard and you like pay your dues. And I know it's like a it's that's a corny, like really generic thing, but I just like that this movie the way this mess the movie frames up this message is really uh pleasing to me. So I really like the the anyone can do it because it it encourages me and encourages kids to like 
you know, not give up on maybe some kids that you might normally uh, give up on or would be easy to give up on. Kevin, what about you? What do you think? I actually want to tack on to the end of what you said. Okay. Uh, there's a second piece of this because when people say, you know, you can attain anything, it's always kind of that American dream, you know, reach for the stars. You can be whatever you want to be. What I like is at the very end of the movie, he didn't get, he didn't keep the mega restaurant and he didn't have the super high-end career. No, he had a happy little bistro with his happy little family and his nice little life and it was very it's also modest. it's also skill, like skill based yeah. you know it's yeah. like it's like hey you know like you can learn to cook you know it's like it's not like oh you can like it's not be like you a, got magic you shoes an, and you're the you greatest basketball player you can be an actor <laughs> you can be a basketball star it's like you can be a cook like cooking is like i want you can work hard if you want to work hard you can yeah i want more kids to get into like trades and stuff like my dream is that like every one of my students becomes a plumber because plumbers i don't know if you know plumbers make insane money and they always electricians too yeah and it's like i want every every one of my students to be plumbers because like i just want all my students to make insane money and uh yeah that's what's wrong with that like being a plumber is awesome i mean sometimes it's probably a pretty shitty job hey all right so uh kevin what's your favorite uh eric Eric, okay Uh, you know, I'm still going to give you a couple. I will, I will give you some, some backup on Ratatouille. That is a fine movie, uh, accomplishing, uh, things that some people say you can't, or that you maybe have thought your entire life, I'm never going to get to do this. No, you just go for it. You can do it. I do love the original Toy Story. Good one. It's a very uh, good movie. it's, uh, just as the theme song said, you got a friend of me. You got a friend of me. That's a very important message. Friendship is awesome. Uh, I also have to uh, talk about Wally, the most un-Disney Disney Pixar movie there is. You want to talk about a movie where the advertising set you up for one thing, and the movie gave you yes. something re- way different that you enjoyed more. If you want just a feel-good movie, watch the first 30 minutes of Wally. If you want a movie that just rags on the consumer culture of America and has like a really, a really powerful message, as well as... Uh, just some really heartbreaking moments that uh you know well it will it will it'll keep you away from you know being too depressed at the ending uh don't worry about it but Wally is incredible and uh I'll finally just say Up Up is a great movie Up is about love in a few different ways and it's silly but it's about courage it's about love it's about what you will do for love uh very important to me and of course uh you know it's it's set up against a backdrop that if you know if to anyone who'd never heard of up if you described it they'd be like what the hell are you talking about it's just a magnificent movie uh if the first 10 minutes of up doesn't destroy you then you have probably not had a highly meaningful romantic relationship in your life because that's that's one of those uh hold on a minute dog there's something in my eye yeah kind of moments the, the it's first like the of opposite of the first you. thirty minutes of Wally <laughs> yes yeah the first the first bit of that movie just wrecks you it's very beautiful um I almost went with the greatest Fantastic Four movie yeah. <laughs> ever made thought about uh, it too. The Incredibles is a very very good movie but I'm gonna go with something maybe it's a little bit of the newer hotness. This is when um, Kevin says Cars 3 and I fly across this table and tackle him. I'm going with Inside Out. Oh, I've not seen that. You know, I really enjoyed that movie. I think there were a lot of clever things with the way that movie was shot. Um, I really like the messaging in that movie. Uh, the It's a coming-of-age story told in a very different way. 
um, grappling with really important things that happen in a person's life. Um, so taking the perspective of the internal thoughts of a child and really focusing that lens. It was, uh, as somebody who studied child development, I found kind of the, the science and pseudoscience in there was really interesting and the way they chose to portray it. Um, you know, you have uh, some really fun moments. You have the childhood imaginary friends sacrificing themselves to uh, save the betterment of the of the person. And it's sort of like how you have to sever the, chi- the ties to your childhood as you start moving towards adulthood. There were just some really well done moments. I think that that was a, a very, very clever movie. And it's something that had some messaging and some moments that uh, children and families needed to see. So I liked what they did with that. I thought that was a very good movie. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's on like some of the networks. So I got to check that out. Just looking at the cast right now. All right, and um, if you want to see what's coming up next for Pixar, the Incredibles two trailer dropped, and uh, it did. Well, it didn't say it much. Told you nothing. But didn't say much, but it didn't have to. Incredibles is an awesome movie that we didn't really mention yet. Yep. It's the best Fantastic Four movie. All right, for Eric Ronnebeck. For Kevin Garber, I'm Nathan Santo, and this is the shortest podcast of the year because we're the most depressed we've ever been about the Seahawks. Go, go Hawks! Me.